Hey there, welcome back to another episode of A Movement Worker's Guide to Astrology. This is Imani, um, and the quote I will start you all off with this week uh, is from, well, let me just read it first, and then we'll talk about that. Last weekend, I went on a walk with my partner at the Arboretum. There's this little makeshift stream and all the trees along the stream had their roots in the stream. It just makes me think of how that happened and how long it would have taken for the roots to reach there, how the tree had to survive before it reached the stream. This helps me think about how, when we feel limitation, this is when we figure out how infinite are possibilities for us to grow out, around, through, to reach abundance. This is from Chrislene DeGene. Um, and this is an excerpt from the Creating More Possibilities chapter in Emergent Strategy by Adrian Marie Brown. Happy Gemini season. I promised you I would not have the quote of a white man <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast. And I fulfilled my promise. You are very welcome. Um, I love Gemini season so fucking much. It is, if I wasn't an Aries, I would totally want to be a Gemini. Uh, I just really, the energy to me is just so activating in a way that not even my own season is, which is kind of a little bit weird when you think about it. Um, my season is always incredibly hard for me. Aries season um but Gemini season cancers literally all the seasons at this time of the year are just bam 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 like just perfect when it comes to being in alignment and seeing things moving and seeing things turning and I think it's because um you know I have a lot of squares in my birth chart and a lot of oppositions so I do very well with um energies energies that I guess um can push and pull me um in a way that I'm not already used to um I already do things the hard way again lots of squares lots of oppos oppositions um and so to have an opportunity to experience ease or to experience discomfort in a different way um is very activating for me as you can see by the title of this podcast, um, we are talking about Gemini season. We're talking about the new moon and the first quarter moon that we will experience next week. As you know, things have slowed down immensely in the sky since most planets are going retrograde. During Gemini season, we will experience a Mercury retrograde as well um, in the final days of the season. Uh, the month of June, although we are still in May, and we should be talking about May right now, um, are definitely going to be a doorway and portal that really, really pulls us um, into the magic of what is possibility. And I think that's why I love the well, mutable signs in general so much is because the mutable energy, while we can kind of pin it down as a little bit indecisive or it changes or it's, you know, isn't, well, it's not fixed and it's not going in one direction. It's going in all directions. It, it speaks to possibility um, in every sense of the word um, and all of the big picture possibilities as well as the very small ones. We think about mutable air as breath, mutable air, Gemini. Um, there are so many things and structures and processes that happen within us because we breathe. I'll say that again. There are so many processes, structures, and functions that happen within our bodies because we breathe our existence is dependent on breath and the assumption that we will continue to breathe so that we will continue to experience life um my best friend is reading uh, a book 
which is called uh, When Things Fall Apart by Pima Codron. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. I hope I am. Um, but the book really takes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it myself eventually, and I'll put it in the description box. What I've decided is because there's so much information that I talk about in the intro before we even start to delve into astrology. Um, I'm going to put all of that in the description box. Um, in a sense, it's like homework or additional kind of learning. I think because while we're talking about astrology, all of it is kind of grounded and centered around being able to push the push beyond just understanding this framework, but using this framework to understand other frameworks as well, right? Which is why this is centered around the work that we do in our movement spaces and as we are working to heal and unlearn, right? Um, so she was um, telling me, I was talking about experiencing uncertainty, not just on a personal level, but feeling the weight of uncertainty in a collective sense. And I think that's very perfect to feel in Gemini season or coming into Gemini season and in between Taurus and Gemini season in particular. When we think about each sign as a reaction to the other, the uh, the spark, that initiation, that movement, and that fire that comes from Aries season, and needing to have a place to keep that fire burning, the fixed air, the log that allows the the fire to continue to burn, to build that momentum, to sustain that fire, right? And then to continue to sustain it, we need air, we need to breathe. And so beyond stability, we need to seek other possibilities to allow that fire to continue to be sustained, right? And we just, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. So she was, uh, I was talking about feeling uncertainty and she, you know, let me just pull up her message and, and read it exactly because she was talking about groundlessness. Um, and so just to read this, I, I wrote, and this was yesterday morning. I was like, I am so confused. I think I'm starting not to understand that I feel, uh, starting to understand that I feel an intense amount of uncertainty, like worldwide uncertainty rather than my own, which is heavy. And she said, that is definitely a heavy weight to carry, but I'd argue you're stepping closer to the truth Everything is changing all the fucking time. Uncertainty is it. Don't be annoyed. But in this book, she talks about how desire for groundedness and stability is a way to try to ignore death and groundlessness. Uncertainty is freedom. Um, so from that perspective, you're onto something. And so there's a card in the Osho Zen Tarot that is called No no thingness and it's literally just pitch black like the card is just black um and it's really important to remember especially as we're making our way towards cancer season that the darkness is from which everything emerges the womb the cosmos all of these really big symbols of nothing the idea and the theory behind the big bang nothing uncertainty Darkness is where possibility creation emerges from. And so this is a season in which we are reminded of what it means to create more possibilities. The title of this episode is The Magician's Table. I've posted on my story, not my story, on my page, you know, I don't really post <laughs> pictures that often, um, but when I do, I post them. Um, is seen from the Holy Mountain uh, by Alejandro Hodorowski. Um, it's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's also on archive.com. I'll be sure to put that in the description. Everything that I reference will be in the description box, I promise. And so there is this scene in which our main character, who is this man who looks, there's lots of stuff that people definitely thought was a little bit like sacrilegious in there. So I'm going to just warn you of that and in case that might be triggering or, or bother you or you feel like that's disrespectful um to each their own um in the holy mountain so he this character that looks very jesus-like 
goes and climbs into this large pillar and meets the alchemist. Um, And the alchemist teaches him or shows him the way of turning. Oh, this is the scene is is so great where he turns shit into gold, (laughs) which is so, uh, so mercurial. It's hilarious, right? You got to have a good sense of humor in Gemini season. So this is definitely a movie to watch. Um, Then he, they go to this room and he kind of teaches him his ways. And as they have this interaction with each other and he puts on this kind of uh, alchemist outfit per se um, to kind of embody this mercurial kind of energy, he then gives him the four suits that we find in the tarot. So he places with him the wand, right? Um, And he says to know. He places with him the sword and he says that's purpose is to dare. He places the cup and he says the purpose is to want. Um, He gives him the pentacle and the purpose is to be silent. So all of these objects are things that we find on the magician's table. Of course, the the magician card in the tarot, the first card, um, or card number one, the fool is the first card, right? Um, in the major arcana is representative, uh, of all of the tools that we have at our disposal. And so it's being able to see beyond the, the specific utility we assign to something, being able to see how its value goes beyond that, that creates possibility, right? In Taurus season, an object is an object, right? We have an orange. What do we need oranges for? We need the orange to eat, right? But the orange also has seeds. The orange has peels. We can create zest. We can create orange bitters. We can create compost. We can grow more orange. You know, there are so many possibilities that exist beyond the assumed utility of an item. And it's being able to have the creativity, the the cleverness and the eagerness and the curiosity to be able to explore that, that makes possibility. And it's being able to, as um, our quote at the beginning said, thinking about all of the steps that it took to eat for the tree's roots to even get to the root or to the stream. It had to survive first. So when we're faced in this moment in which we are experiencing what really feels like a very deep and intense collective death, right? We're in the process of grieving and moving through a world that really kind of fucking sucks and moving into one that is more in alignment with what we desire for ourselves and what we desire for the world and other people and society. It's a process. We have to survive first. And so it is a season in which we realize what we have to kind of talk about the way that he describes the objects, which I absolutely love so much. When we think about the purpose of the wand um, to know, it speaks of with fire and the intuitive spiritual knowledge that comes from cultivating um, and aligning with your own personal sense of fire, of will, of momentum, of belief. And coming into it, a very heart-centered idea of who you are. It is to know. It is to realize that you are the embodiment of God consciousness, right? To dare. We use our words. We use our mind. We use our attitudes and our ideas to speak into existence what is possible. We are unafraid of the power of our wor- word. So we are willing to say and ask for what we wish to see and experience in the world. And the cup to want. It is leaving that space open to then receive everything it is that you speak to and being willing to, again, it's the receptivity, the space that you create to allow that to come to you, right? And then to be silent. 
It is the physical manifest, which is the pentacle, the physical manifestation of that which you ask for, right? But again, for the tree roots to get to the stream, first you have to survive. One thing that I, in this very, very long intro that seems to be kind of related and also kind of not related, um, um, to talk about, because I told you all, I was like, oh, like, let's talk about like timelines and other like, you know, parallel realities and all of that stuff. So there are so many theories um, related to that in quantum physics. There's string theory. There's um, many worlds theory. Um, there is this episode of the um, This American Life in which they talk about this app called the Universe Splitter. Right. The thing about the magician is he's able to call into a number of different possibilities, but also there is a trust that he will receive what he needs exactly the way that he needs to. Right. And so it's it manifestation while people think about it as this very quick process, it is a long game. It is a long game, especially when we're talking about changing the fucking world. Right. I just need you to put that in perspective. We want to change every single structure that exists in the world right now. That takes a very long time, especially since we've been operating in the world the way that it has been existing for at least a thousand years, if not even more. Right? Because this is, this is feudalism. This is feudalism's uh, fourth grandchild. Um so having to having known that we have to survive first in the idea of there being multiple realities one of the things to kind of think about as we're in this season that is so much about possibilities and also so much about um duality as well right there is Gemini season, there are no attachments to any of the realms, right? We are in community or in proximity to all of them. So all of the possibilities that you seek, there is a timeline that exists for them, literally right now, um, in the same way that it's possible to heal in this moment and send healing forward, healing can also be sent backwards because time is not linear, right? So in the same, that same respect, the moment that your survival now is creating the possibility of what you want tomorrow. That being said, that requires a, a, a very intentional amount of an intentional use of your consciousness in this moment to one survive that's one that's your first responsibility is to survive and then your second one is to think about and curate the possibility of tomorrow with the existing tools that you have and being able to think of them beyond the forms that they take at this time one of the things uh The thing about like the universe splitter, because there's an app that you can do it. It sends the information or the question that you're asking. They, I guess they had talked about some really kind of silly mundane thing like, oh, should I shave my beard or should I not shave my beard? The moment that you decide that, the possibility of you having a shaved beard or not having a shaved beard, both of those things exist in that moment. And then all of the other kind of fractal decisions that come from that decision also begin to exist as well, literally in just thinking about it. And that's why when people talk about how fear is a really powerful and quick manifester, it's because in the moment that you attach and align with fear, that moment and possibility is created immediately. And usually what we do with fear is we run straight towards whatever it is that we're fearing rather than saying, okay, this is fear, let me stop and reroute myself in a different direction, right? And so it's being able to have the, the strength and the wherewithal 
to dare, (laughs) dare to be afraid, but also dare to seek possibility in the opposite direction as well. Um, To talk about this week, we are moving from, or in the last couple of weeks, we've moved from the uh, last quarter moon to the new moon. So the last quarter moon to the new moon is always an interesting part because of the season because it is the moment in which we sit in what people refer to as cusps. I know that someone here is like, ha, she said cusp. I got her to say cusp. Fuck you. I'm joking. Um, (laughs) I think I said this last time. I was like, really? That is the hill that I die on. Um, But I can understand the existence of it in, in some way or another. So the thing about the last quarter moon is that it always, actually, let me think about this first. Yep, I'm correct. It always trines the sun of the, uh, it always trines the sun of the next major moon cycle. So during, isn't it, isn't it cool when you like look into little things like that? So a trine for those who who need a reminder is an aspect, is a harmonious aspect in which usually things are in the same element. So Aquarius and Gemini would be trying each other because they're both air signs. So during the last quarter moon, we had a Taurus sun in an Aquarius moon, very feisty energy, where there is the desire to incorporate an understanding of people and the needs of other people on an emotional level and to be willing to accommodate what other people need. Um, But facing the challenge of having to potentially sacrifice some of the ways that you seek security in the long term for the sake of other people or for the sake of the future, right? So what happens is then as we move from last quarter moon to the new moon, which is gonna be a new moon in Gemini, we'll see that those two moon cycles, again, the moon will be trining both the sun and the moon, if, if this is making sense. So there becomes through the lunation cycle, this bridge in which the tension point that we experience during the last quarter moon is given space to be possible and worked through through this new moon. Let me read to you what Rudyard says. The last quarter phase is like the first quarter, a moment of crisis and repolarization, but the crisis now involves problems of consciousness and formulation rather than issues dealing with the building of organic structures. The element of conflict is strong, as least the, at the ideological level, and if we were, if we consider the waning period of the cycle as an ebbing tide of biological cultural power, we find that the breaking down of all idols and images likely then to occur tends to create physiological or social crises, illness and revolution. Catabolic forces within the body increase in momentum. Socially speaking, born revolutionists, as for instance, Frederick Engels, Lenin and Trotsky, rise on the downward tide, challenging old social structures and establishing a demand for new power, the virgin power of submerged collectives. There is also building ability connected with such a waning square aspect, but it is the type of building remarkable demonstrated by Lenin that is essentially the building of tight and utterly consecrated groups of men who are at are to act as seeds for the future order. Seeds are very tough on the surface and their main external attribute is unalterability. They are built on the principle of bare necessity and uncompromising self-perpetuating strength. 
as the 45 degree solely lunar relationship is reached and soon after the so-called balsamic moon the meaning of which has already been discussed we enter the realm of the sowing seed and of personal sacrifice the symbolic personages person personage who focuses upon himself a social drama and the martyr may well be born during the days preceding the new moon they are the incorporation of the need of their collectivity for a new birth of spirit they call down the creative spirit they summon forth the future even if it be through their own death doesn't that beautifully summarize everything we've just talked about so far it's almost as if Rudyard has been studying astrology forever and you know these observations just make sense so it is a moment in which there is a death of the old to make formulation for the new which you know we see through the movement of the sun in addition to the movement of the moon and the cycles that it lands in as well because we move to uh the sun cycle that is reacting to the previous one so again we cannot continue to remain in a fixed mode of what it means to be secure. We have to be able to seek and find the possibilities that will make this new mode and this tension point possible. Amber Khan um, kind of talked about that, or definitely talked about this a lot and when she was talking about uh, the fountain, her last The Fountain episode um, that she did in which uh, oh, I don't even remember what it was that she had said exactly, but she was referring to the book Psycho-Cybernetics, which is about, of course, reprogramming the subconscious mind. And so there is a need to create in the idea of creating more possibilities, even on a personal level, we have to be able to explore what that looks like to live our life outside of the restrictions and confines that have been programmed into it, Right. Why isn't it possible for us to tax the fuck out of a billionaire and end poverty three times over? If that's something that we believe is possible, why not speak that into existence? Um, I had uh, went to or attended uh, virtually this uh, ancestors in training um, workshop by Vero's Got the Juice. Let me write that down so I can put her account. And she, one of the questions she asked us was, what does liberation smell like? What does it feel like? What does it look like? What does it taste like? Those are the things that you have to imagine. And I think to to speak to what Amber, oh, what she was saying is that, you know, the, or Amber Gon was saying, Gemini, I think Vero is also, um, a Gemini as well. I know that she has some sort of uh, mercurial placement. Um, but uh, what she was speaking to was like the vacuum, the universe is constantly checking in with you to see what feeling is kind of, you know, you're feeling the most and is continuously feeding that back to you and is creating from that space, right? And so that's why the idea of creating more possibilities is really important because you're allowing that space for the possibility of what you actually want to come through rather than what you're communicating emotionally, right? So the moodiness of the Gemini um, archetype, um, it, you know, while they, you know, the idea of being like two-faced and all this other shit, it's being able to, to consistently upgrade and refuse to to kind of align with one particular mode of operation to be able to continuously align with whatever is next right and it's be that being able to kind of jump around in this trickster clever adaptable energy rather than becoming stuck in a particular emotional mode that will allow us to consistently be in the process of movement and manifestation and so a part of that also is you know she was talking about the idea of creating a mental movie not only do you need to do that for yourself 
you also need to do that for the world as well. So again, what does liberation smell like, feel like, look like? You know, we're like, we want the fucking world to be different. Yes, cool. We can keep screaming that into the echo chamber. What we're saying is the world is not different and the world will not change. What we say is, you know, when we see people who say things like abortion for everyone or housing should be free for everyone, when we speak these really, in some people's minds, extreme possibilities, going back to the idea of the universe splitter, we are literally creating in space the opportunity for that reality to exist. That is why in Hodorowsky's symbolism of the sword, which is of course representative of, of the air element, is to dare, dare to speak, dare to say it. When we're coming up on this um, new moon um, that is uh, Friday in Gemini, Let's, let me just pull up the chart. It is an interesting day, a very, very interesting day. And it's kind of hard for a number of reasons. We, oh, oh, that's fun. Cool. So on the day of the new moon, which is this Friday, um, May 22nd at 1138 Eastern Standard Time, we have a number of difficult trying aspects that are in the sky, okay? On this day, we will be experiencing a nice little square between the moon, the sun, and Mars, in addition to another nice little square between Venus um, and Venus and Neptune, which will be not Venus and Neptune, Venus and Mercury, which will be conjunct each other at about 20 degrees, and that will be square to Neptune. I think for the most of the month, um, we're going to experience this Neptune, uh, or for multiple times over the next like month or so um, as we're experiencing, or month and a half, as we're experiencing Venus retrograde, we're going to have that square appear over and over again. As very, um, very kind words um, that were said by uh, Annabelle Gatt, who's an amazing astrologer based out in um, New York, because she had um, posted about the about how we'll impact, have that for a little bit of, for the month. And, you know, the aspect is really related to idealizing um, partners um, and people. Um, idealizing the, you know, most possible situation, which will happen with us for our money and all of these other things that we like have all these hopes and wishes and dreams around that may very well um be possible, but usually we'll find out that they are not. And so she was saying from her post, if you have a tendency to fall in love with people's potential and not their reality, this will be a rough month for you. Um, planets in a square aspect egg e each other on with the further planet, further out planet winning. Venus square Neptune is fun in the same way that doing many shots or devouring a box of your favorite candy is great for a moment before the hangover and sadness or sadness kicks in. And it was really funny. I was like, oh, well, I have this natally. So, you know, what's another month? And she was like, it can be a very beautiful transit natally, wonderful healer. You help the medicine taste sweeter. And so I think if we're t talking about this, I will humor you all in talking about this in relation to relationship. There are lots of things that may be just too good to be true that are happening in your relationships. And you also may be kind of captivated and taken for a ride in pleasure seeking from whatever is kind of coming towards your way, whether it be a person, whether it be money, you know, 
whatever. And you will ride out this wave and it will feel really, really, really good. And it will likely not make a lot of sense because it's Venus and uh, in Gemini and <laughs> Neptune and Pisces and those two signs together are a very confusing combination because there literally are just no boundaries. So it's really easy to kind of push the limits of possibility um, with this aspect, but to a point in which once you kind of catch up with the illusions that are present, it can be very heartbreaking and upsetting. So I say this, as you're riding this high that's centered around this Venus-Neptune square, use it as a time to create those possibilities of the future, creating the mental movie of liberation for yourself individually and for everyone collectively. So what can you do? So I, I will post the the. Um, the chapter in um, Psycho-Cybernetics that you should look at, um, as well as the Fountain episode. I will post all of those things in the description box. Um, you can record yourself with your phone or whatever, speaking into existence, you know, use that as like a journal prompt and just kind of write off like, this is what it smells like. This is what it feels like. This is what, you know, down to the details, like very, very vivid imagination. The Venus square Neptune is very ripe for creativity and ideals. It doesn't matter if it's possible or not. Just do it. Just do it. Just the most ideal sense, whether it's a partner that you want, whether it's some sort of, again, greater reality that you want to seek in the world, I would not really necessarily attach it to a particular, actually, you know what, do you? It it's yours, right? Um, and play that and hear that. Close your eyes and listen to that. Play it over and over and over again. So when you're in that space, which is what Amber Khan was talking about, in which you are feeling a low because it's inevitable. Remember, we talked about this in the last episode, right? It's Dhamma. It's the natural order of things. We face really high highs and really low lows, you know? So being able to have something consistent and this is where the Taurus energy is important to keep the possibility of what you sought or felt to be possible to continue to exist even beyond this moment that is ultimately very fleeting it's always really important to set the stage when you're feeling really high highs for the potential to feel lows right I think the mistake that we make is you know, while we're in a low where we're like, oh, like I have to do this so I can get out of this or I cannot feel this anymore, blah, 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 blah. We don't prepare for the lows when we're feeling the highs, which is why it kind of sucks <laughs> really hard when we feel them. But they're natural and they're a part of life and our process is there. So I think that's a really good idea of what you can do with that energy, especially since Venus and Mercury are going to be conjunct each other very beautiful aspect, right? It, our thoughts and ideas are harmonious and they're given that really kind of charm and and pleasing uh, edge that they kind of need to feel really good. So it also is a day in which you may just overwhelmingly have a lot of really positive thoughts um, and everything just feels really, really possible. But on the other side of that, it also can be that we feel a lot of anxiety or uncertainty and feeling confused about what the future may hold for us. So it also can be a day in which we feel very let down by what we see around us. And so I think, you know, it kind of depends on, you know, where you are and, and how you're, you're feeling. Um, it's, again, because we had this aspect a couple of weeks ago, it's being sh hit, being shit, oh my God, being hit by the reality of like, oh, this is, this is what this is. So it also can be that there, from your external environment, there may be a bit of deception and illusion around money or what people are, telling you 
um, or, or showing you or what you're thinking, or it can be really easy for some of the delusions and illusions that we have about the world and about ourselves to be at the forefront of our mind. It definitely is a day in which your mind can really take control of you in a way that quite honestly will it can be very defeating and upsetting and i think that's why all of that additional work that you kind of put in to prepare for that is going to be incredibly important this uh again there will be also be a square oy, between Mars and the moon and the sun, and this is an approaching conjunction, so it's intensifying. So there may be a really strong disconnect between what we're doing, especially if we feel, you know, Mars and Pisces, we may feel a little bit passive, we may feel a bit uninspired or kind of stuck more in like what we're dreaming about is possible rather than actually doing things to the point in which we you know, our mind is racing, but our body isn't going anywhere. So we can kind of be stuck in a, honestly, a loop of not really getting much of anything done. So the energy isn't necessarily very productive in a sense of like hard work that might kind of get done, but I definitely would say it's one in which you, you know, journal, write, create, in some sort of way, um, try not to feel like you are wasting your time or like time or energy is, is escaping you. Mars and Pisces is so hard. It makes me, I have it natally and it still makes me very sleepy, um, and tired. It's okay that you might need rest. I definitely would say it's a day in which your mind and your emotions can run you to hell and back so definitely taking breaks from social media taking breaks and going outside and experiencing outside and becoming really grounded is going to be really helpful on this day in addition to that um the sun is also um trine saturn so uh, this is where it becomes a little bit difficult because we may feel like oh, long-term, this is what the future is. These are the possibilities that I can create now to get to the future, but our short-term self and the things that we're immediately doing, Mars and Pisces, may not necessarily be in alignment with that and we may not be moving at all um, and just kind of stuck in waiting. I think it also is an opportunity to really practice surrender and patience with... Um, you know, your mind is moving a thousand miles per per minute, but your body isn't necessarily able to kind of connect with that. Or you may kind of find that you're not as driven as you usually are. And that's absolutely fine. It's a time for rest. It is a time for rest. The moon, the Chandra symbol that we are looking at is Gemini three degrees, the garden of the Tuileries in Paris, the formalization of collective ideals through the application of reason and order to newly discovered aspects of nature. The gardens of the Tuileries, I may be saying that wrong. Who cares? And Versailles are typical representatives of the classical spirit and its need for order and symmetry. The reign of the French king, Louis the Fourth, Fourteenth, followed by the Renaissance, followed the Renaissance, which was filled with the excitement of new spirit of discovery and a period of internal problems. A reaction had to come to consolidate the gains made by the collective mind and of the European man. Such a consolidation usually leads to another extreme, i.e., formalism. Often, the narrow intellectual crystallization of dualistic concepts. As the third stage of the 13th fivefold sequence of cyclic phases, we see the, the contents of the first and second stages brought to the set of clear and lucid. 
brought to the state of the clear and lucid, but also formalized conceptualization. The heavenly gift-bearing Santa Claus has become a part of the paternalistic autocrat king by divine right. The warm family circle celebrating the delivery the birth of the deliverer from wintry darkness is now the court of the king ruled by rigid rituals there is clarity but there is also ego centralization and the worship of formalism so formalism to define that word is the excessive adherence to prescribed forms i can't um correct me if i'm wrong This is the one that was married to Marie Antoinette, right? The age of absolutism in Europe. France was a leader in growing centralization of power. Um, the sun king. Oh, this nigga was wild. Oops, I'm recording. <laughs> this nigga was wild. Um, hold on. Because the thing is. Whoever, this will not load, but like he created because versailles is such a beautiful palace like let's objectively just claim that like colonialism and just evil shit out of europe aside it is a beautiful palace right um if you think not that is also okay that is fine um and there is this uh regality and importance that we put that we see put around the um oh this is interesting around the the role of the um the king especially in him referring to himself as the sun king he clearly felt like the the world revolved around him it reminds me a lot of thomas hobbes um and uh yep Yep, 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 yep. Um, and his speaking of, or his uh, theory of in Leviathan, in which God um, grants the power um, to have this authority over people because people don't know how to fucking control themselves. And so somebody else has to be able to do it. Right. And so there is, and again, this paternalistic power, this really kind of speaks to the energy that we see in the year because it isn't an emperor year. Um, and so there is this realization of the control, the illusions that the, the larger, um, the the that the larger kind of system and has on our ability to think into possibilities right there are certain possibilities that do not exist because we adhere to these particular forms right but that within itself is a is a trick because it provides a very kind of small kind of matrix like container which is where this neptune kind of comes uh, energy comes into play around the the values and the possibility or the things that are possible within the material world right and so it's being able to see and in a way again the idea of feeling the weight of uncertainty of the world where it's like okay like we want this we want this we want this but it's like having to see in the immediate in the present all of the things that delusions illusions and forces that actively work against what it is that we want so while we see like places are are opening back up there is you know or people or the resistance that we see and the kind of tension that is building and building and at this point kind of boiling over between people as we have the conflict conflict about 
who we should trust, who we should be looking towards, what value system we should kind of be aligning with, what values we do or or don't need, there is this really large element of, of confusion because in a way uh, the blinders are kind of being put over us because there is a certain form that we're being asked to kind of adhere to even though we're personally and even in sense, some senses collectively working against that right and so again it is the the need to kind of keep uh, elevate that voice of possibility even to the extent in which it may kind of seem a little bit delusional or um, imperfect um, but being able to uphold that also being able to reshift one's focus to the need to survive to make that possible and I think one thing that I'll mention, especially because they're talking about the, the crystallization of dualistic concepts. So one thing that, um, one of the quotes in the creating more possibilities section, somebody says, when forced into a binary, you always choose wrong. And so that is it where the, you know, the whole idea um, and what kind of happened within France that even got to, oh, this is very interesting, that even got to a place in which they needed revolution was this adherence to these forms in which there was this, you know, very strong line drawn in the sand where it's like, well, this is what we get to do because we have fucking money and we control everything. So you can either follow what we're saying or you can get the fuck out of here, right? Like you can follow these rules or you don't, right? And even with the idea of Hobbes, it's like, well, people don't have control over themselves. So it's either someone is gonna be ruling and making sense of everything because God woo, gave this person all of this power, you know? Um, or people are gonna, you know, destroy themselves and people can't control themselves and you don't know what you need for yourself. You don't know, you know, how to, operate in society and in community with one another that's why we're here right and so it's really like this really big <laughs> internal external fight between like daddy government and each of us personally um and how those kind of forms and structures have kind of found their way into our lives also check and see how this same paternalistic um relationship finds its way into your relationships with other people and the interactions that you have with people as well to the point in which you feel controlled, whether it's knowingly or unknowingly, right? I, but, you know, it, this is very interesting because that this example even comes up because again, it's a blind spot season, right? Um, so all of the energy that's kind of sitting in, um, Capricorn, when we get a little bit later in the season, we'll see how much that influences how the structures and forms in the background in, uh, influence our creative abilities and the way that we use our consciousness and the limitations to our consciousness. That will also become a lot more evident once Mercury enters Cancer next week and we have an opportunity to kind of feel into what it is that we're thinking and, and what's surfacing from us emotional, for us emotionally because of what we think. Um, and we're allowed to, to have an opportunity to really uh, tune into our emotional intelligence in a way that will shed light on the heaviness and the burdens that we feel from structural influences. Um, and that will be something that we explore in uh mercury retrograde um but i guess to not get distracted again because i'm getting distracted again um the really big thing to kind of like keep that that i'm thinking about is so like the last time that pluto was in capricorn um was the time of the french revolution was the time of the American Revolution, was the time of the Haitian Revolution. So all of these really large formative moments in history were literally the last time that we experienced one of these really major transits. And I think it's really important that this symbol highlights an important turning point and moment in history in which things began to 
um, reach their downfall because of the power of the the emperor, right? And I I know that some of you are thinking about a very particular person right now. I'm just going to say yes. Um, and I'm going to leave it at that because I don't want to <laughs> say anything else. But I think we're on the same page <laughs> with who we're thinking about um, with how this energy manifests itself in our current reality right um other things to kind of look forward to over the next week or so um it's uh the end of uh may isn't really i don't know if i forgot to take notes about the end of may or if there really just isn't a lot of shit that's happening let me get my calendar Yeah, it's not a very, um, it's not very busy. It's lots of like moon aspects that like happen all of the time. Um, and of course, like I said, on the 28th, Mercury will move into Cancer. So then it becomes, you know, what we think or whatever is less about like actual objective truths and more about like what we feel. Um, I always love Mercury in, in, in Cancer. It's so, it adds another a layer of uh, softness and empathy that we can have um, for ourselves um, and for other people. Um, the only thing is not getting too wrapped up in um, what other people feel to the point in which we um, shut out what we think um, or our emotions take over um, our ability to find um, objectivity and truth. Having a, a water mercury can be very, very, very difficult um, because feelings are not objective. They're very subjective, but they do provide very important information. Um, yeah, it honestly doesn't look like there's much of anything else that I want to mention to you all besides that. Um, yeah, it looks like we're under an hour today. Thank you for tuning in to this very long rant about this new moon and about this energy, the energies. Well, I think... Um, Again, moving into June is when we're going to start to see uh, the action. Let's see what we'll have in store for next week. I want to do something different um, because, like I said, there's not a lot to talk about. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in again. I hope this episode of me just shouting into the microphone um was informative in some sort of way happy new moon in gemini i will be posting the new moon tarot readings on my personal instagram and you can also follow um this uh podcast at movement astro pod on instagram and I will, yeah. oh, one thing. So next Sunday, the 31st, um, I, me and Elmina of Malima Alchemy will be hosting a uh, virtual panel and workshop about the North Node in Gemini. We'll have some really dope astrologers um specifically um astrologers that are people of color and queer astrologers um to provide their perspectives about the uh transit um we'll talk about eclipses what the fuck a north node is um there will also be some journaling and a closing 
meditation, sound healing, um, created by yours truly and Elmina. Um, so if you're interested in that, hit me up. I will be sure to put the event light, event light, event bright link in my bio once it is out again that will be next sunday may 31st it will be at 1 p.m eastern standard time whoa my microphone fell on me um yeah thank you so much for listening i'll talk to you next week